Good morning, everyone. Pastor Danny is in Manila for the CCF Leadership Conference, and he's also there to officiate the wedding of his niece. Tamaba, Denise? Niece, Denise. Okay, very good. No, actually, he's not playing golf. His Facebook post was in Manila, and he got caught in a stampede. Okay? Now, uh, we haven't been uh, so... Uh, True to our word in having to remind everyone again, and I will do that this morning, CCLA exists what? To please our Lord and Master, let's read this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And how do we please our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ? By we CCLA exists to make loving, committed followers of Christ who will make loving, committed followers of Christ up to the third and fourth generation in obedience to the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? It is right here. It is in plain sight, Matthew 28, 19-20. Go ye therefore into all the nations, make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here you will have the assurance of God's presence. Lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Amen? Why do we exist? For this purpose, to glorify God. I am pleased to report to you this morning that you have no choice. I am one-man band today. So, Let's review what Pastor Danny shared with us last Sunday. He shared with us the the topic on intimacy through practicing God's presence. And if you were awake, and if you were attentive, and if you were taking notes, praise God, we have notes for you. He asked you this question. What is the most repeated promise of God in the Bible? What's the answer? I will be with you. You like that? I will be with you. It means wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God's promise is He will be with you. And He shared us this verse in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, and we are most familiar with verse 5. He Himself has said what? I, can we read that? I will... And Pastor Danny shared with us that this passage that we take many times for granted, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, is really, really very profound if you look at the Greek. Because that word never says, I will never, no, never, I will never, ever, ever leave you. Are you assured of God's presence? If He says He will never leave you? Because when we people talk, He says, I'll never leave you. Right? When a man and a woman come before a minister and swear, till death do they part, you expect that I will never leave you. But what happens most of the time? I will never leave you, but I will stay over there. You will stay over here. 
God says, I will never, no, never, I will never, ever, ever leave you. It means God is always with you. And as I shared with you in Matthew 28, verse 20, I am with you. Always. All the days of your life. And we've been singing about it, right? Are you persuaded that neither death nor life will be able to separate you from the love of God that you now have in Christ Jesus? Imagine, you can never do anything to be separated from God ever again. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this promise is all the more evident in the principle of discipleship. Make disciples. If you follow God and make disciples, you are assured of His presence. If you doubt if what you are doing assures you of the presence of God, know this, brothers and sisters. If you are involved in disciple making, you have the assured promise of God's presence. Now, this topic is so important that we actually have three messages. I'm the second of three preachers. This morning, intimacy through practicing God's presence, number two. Next week, our brother Reggie will preach on intimacy of God's presence, number three. Alright? Now, let me share with you. Can we read this? You like that? You like that? You want to know who wrote that? His name is Nicholas Herman. He is not Herman of Herman's Hermits. Those of you who are old like me. His name is Nicholas Herman. Have you ever heard of Nicholas Herman? Would you like to know his other name? That may be more familiar with you. He is also referred to as Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. His book, The Practice of the Presence of God, is regarded by scholars as the most read book second to the Bible. He is not an author, he was in the military. When he got out from the military, he became a monk. He would cook. He would clean. But that, those chores that he, were, he was doing did not prevent him from practicing the presence of God. It was so evident in the life of Brother Lawrence that people would come to him, go to the monastery, and speak with him, and seek counsel. So you can practice the presence of God, no matter what you are doing. He didn't author this book. He wrote, he journaled. And when he died, it was compiled. That's why it says there, 
forward. It's not even, hindi siya ang nag-forward. Oh. It was a different guy who forwarded it. Because he was dead. They found his notes. They compiled them into a book. See? Doesn't matter what you're doing. You can practice the presence of God no matter what you are doing. Now, let me ask you. Do you believe that exercise is good for you? Only this group? Huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I was alone. Do you believe that having a balanced and healthy diet is good for you? Yeah. With, with conviction. Okay. You see, I'm not answering. Guilty as charged. So you see, there is a disconnect. There is a disconnect. We know that exercise is good for us. We know that having a balanced and healthy diet is good for us. But why is it that I do not exercise? Why is it that I do not eat a healthy diet? Why? Kulang sa... We know it, but we don't do it. How many of you have a driver's license? What's the process? No, first you have to study the book. You get the principle. You study, you learn about the laws, how to park, what's the speed limit, etc., etc. Then do they give you your driver's license because you passed the written test? See? The theory must marry the practice. You cannot just have theory and then you do not know how to... Where, where does the key go? The theory and the practice have to marry. So, here we know that we are supposed to exercise. We know that we're supposed to eat healthy food. But why don't we do it? What do we lack? Practice. We need to put it into practice. Okay? Now let me show you. This is a bonus. Okay? Let me show you from the Bible in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what is God's promise in verse 7? And the peace of God. Okay? The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's the principle? When you're anxious, pray. Pray in faith, pray in thanksgiving, and what will happen? You will experience the peace of God. I said this is a bonus. Look at verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. What? Practice. Practice what? Practice these things. And what will happen? And the God of peace. In the previous verse, you have the peace of God. 
Now, if you practice, not only do you have the peace of God, you have the God of peace. Isn't that a blessing? Man, I want the peace of God. But I also want the God of peace. And the only way I can do that is to practice. To practice the presence of God. Before I continue, why don't we pray? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the privilege, the freedom to study your word. Father, I confess my inability to preach your word apart from your Holy Spirit. So be pleased to speak to me and speak through me, Lord God. And as I bring your word to your people, may the seed of your word find soil in our hearts. Take root and bear fruit on obedience. Glorify yourself, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Practice the presence of God too. We have four points for you this morning. God's presence is a gift. It is God's grace. God's presence is not always recognized. God's presence is ultimately our security. And finally, God's presence is transforming. So that will be our outline for this morning. So first, God's presence is a gift. It is God's grace. Last week, Pastor Danny shared with us a message about who? There was no service last Sunday? <laughs> Who? Isaac. Okay. So, we learned some things about Abraham that he was able to pass down to Isaac. Unfortunately, it was being a liar. Or lying. Yes? Now, I don't think Abraham sat Isaac down and Isaac, this is the way to lie. But Isaac, Saw it in Abraham. He picked it up. This morning, we talk about God's presence in the son, one of the sons of Isaac. We will look at his son, Jacob. Now, we have heard the message. Pastor Reggie, I believe, was the one who shared that. Jacob. What does the word Jacob, or how do you remember Jacob? Supplanter, deceiver, right? When the twins were born, Esau was going to be first. But Jacob was holding the feet of Esau. He wanted to be first. Alright? So, with that as a background, let's read Genesis 28, 10 and 11. Let's read. Then... Now, why did Jacob leave his home? Why is Jacob's condition so desperate and destitute that he would have a rock as a pillow? I can sleep without pillows. I can rest on my arm. I don't need a pillow. My wife will attest to that. <laughs> 
But I've never tried sleeping on a stone. I mean, he's running away. He did not prepare, maybe he did not bring stuff that he would have to use a stone as his pillow. Why is he fleeing? Why is he going towards Haran? Let's see. In the previous chapter, it's about his brother. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. What did Jacob do to Esau that would compel him to make such a plan to kill his own brother? Hmm. Now the words of the elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah. She said, she sent and called her younger son to Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Do you feel like that sometimes? That you have a problem and the best solution is to eliminate the problem? Now, wherefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what is due to him, what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from here. Why should I be bereaved of both of you in one day? So why did Jacob leave? His mother told him to leave. His mother told him to leave. To take refuge with his her brother, which is Jacob's uncle Laban. Why? Esau was going to kill him. Esau had been planning to kill him. Why? Because Jacob had connived with his mother to deceive Isaac. Then Isaac, being old, gave the blessing that rightfully belonged to Esau as the firstborn, he gave it to Jacob. And once the blessing is given, you cannot take it back. The right of the firstborn, instead of going to Esau, went to Jacob. So what would he plan to do? I am going to kill my brother. The moment my father Isaac breathes his last, he's a dead duck. So the mother says, go. Go to Laban. He's a relative. He's your uncle. Take refuge there. So there you have Jacob going to Haran and having to rest his head for sleep on a stone. All right? Now let's continue. Verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Now how did God introduce himself to Jacob? I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. Does it say that he is the God of Jacob? No. Friends, what this verse is telling me 
is that each and every one of us must come to a point of personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, even if Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, even if Jacob was the son of Isaac, the Bible doesn't tell us in this passage that God is the God of Jacob. Now, you may be here because your parents brought you here. Doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you attend Sunday school doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because your parents are Christian doesn't automatically mean that you're Christian. Christianity is personal. You and I, we have to personally come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christianity is not by osmosis. Are you a Christian? Yes. Why? I belong to this church. I belong to that church. No. Christianity is not religion. Christianity is a relationship. And each and every one of us must establish that relationship with Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us must have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, the point I I shared with you is, the presence of God is a gift. It is God's grace. What did Jacob do? He deceived his brother. He deceived his father. He stole the blessing. His, younger, his elder brother Esau is after him and wants to kill him when the time comes. What did God do? He said, he introduced himself. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Is this something that Jacob deserves? Furthermore, he said, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. This is not deserving of someone who steals, who cheats, who deceives. But because God's presence is a gift, because God's presence is because of grace, God chose to bless Jacob with His presence nonetheless. Now there's another man in the book of Genesis and many of us bypass it. It's good my brother Adrian is here because he helped me in one of our discipleship meetings. He shared this with me. There's another person who is not deserving. There were two brothers. One was Cain. The other was Abel. Who killed whom? Cain killed Abel. Cain is a murderer. Yet what did God do? So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain... Vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appeared, appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. Did God still protect Cain? Even if he killed his own brother? Why? It is God's grace. It is unmerited favor. 
God is God and He will give His grace upon whom He wishes to give His grace. And I submit to you the consequence of what Cain did to his brother Abel in the next slide that I will show you is a fate worse than death. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Even if Cain killed his own brother, God protected him. If somebody's going to kill Cain, vengeance will be taken upon that killer sevenfold. The presence of God is a gift. It is God's grace. We are not the ones to choose or decide or complain to whom God gives His grace. I too am but a recipient of God's grace. I am a sinner. And according to the Bible, my sin carries with it a penalty of death. So I should die. But because of God's grace, He sent His Son Jesus, who died in my place, that I might live. It is a gift. Now going back, then Jacob awoke from his sleep. During his sleep, God told him, I will bless you. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. As I have blessed them, I will bless you. And I am going to bring you back. But I will only bring you back until everything that I have promised to you shall have been fulfilled. And we see Jacob awaking from his sleep. Then Jacob awoke his sleep and said, Surely, can we read this? Surely the Lord is in this place. What? I can say on the one hand, surely the Lord is in this place. But on the same breath I can say, and I did not know it. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. But I did not experience it. How can that be? Second point, God's presence is not always Recognized. When you're not looking for the hand of God in your circumstances, you may miss that God is actively working in the midst of your circumstance, and you may even say, God is not here. But what's the truth of the matter? God is there. You just don't recognize it. You might be too busy making money. You might be too busy, you know, aching up a degree or whatever, and miss out on the presence of God. You might be the one to say, surely God's presence is here, but I did not recognize it. You can't miss the grace of God. Hebrews twelve fifteen tells us, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. You might not be actively looking for God's movement in your life. And so you say, God is not present here. Just as Jacob said, I didn't know it. See Hebrews 12.15, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. You see, spiritual growth is the increasing awareness of God's presence and responding accordingly. 
Are you aware of God's presence in your life? If you are, are you responding properly? Why do I say this? Well, look. God just told Jacob. God just told Jacob his promise. I have been with your grandfather Abraham. I have been with your father Isaac. I will also be with you. I will also bless you. I will also multiply your descendants. Then I will bring you back until, not until I have fulfilled all of my promises. He said, surely God is here, but I did not recognize it. And then he continues, then Jacob made the vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me on this journey that I take, and will give me food to eat, and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. Didn't God just tell him, I'm going to be with you? What is his mindset? He said, if. God just told him, I will be with you. If God will be with me, hello, I just told you. But his mindset is, if. See? Don't, I, I think we go to God sometimes like that, right? We make transactions with God. God, if you let me win the lotto, I will build for you such a big church in every city, in every state. Don't you convince yourself of that sometimes? Oh, if God will only make me rich, I will do this, I will do that. Like Jacob, if you will bless me, if you will provide me, then, what does he say? Then the Lord will be my God. So if God, is God the God of Jacob at this point? Not yet. But what did he do? The stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. Now he has the idea of tithing. The word tithe means 10%. But what is his premise? If you will bless me, if you will keep me, if you will provide for me, if you fulfill all of your promises to me, then and only then will I do this. So what? Is that conditional or unconditional? It's conditional. It is not unconditional. You see, even if it is God's grace, you can still not recognize it. God already promised him, I will be with you. Yet what is his mindset? If. If. Then. God is not yet the God of Jacob. So he goes to his uncle. And he presents himself and he presents his problem. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall be shall your, your wages be. Ah, you want to do that? You have a problem, you go to your relative, and your relative is more than willing to help. I will help you. How much salary do you want? Oh, okay. I like that. But then, his eyes. Laban had two daughters. The name of the order was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak. 
Siguro nagsasalamin. But Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. So I have work? Yes. Now I'm going to have a family? Yes. Beautiful. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And then, and they seemed to be but a few days because of her love for her. How many of you have been married more than 10 years? Raise your hand. More than 20 years. More than 30 years. More than 50 years. Daddy, mommy, how long have you been married? Ilan? Oh, round up na natin to 60. Praise God! So I think I can honestly ask mom and daddy after 60 years, how was it? Oh, it's just like yesterday. So seven years, seven years of working, seven years of working is nothing because you know that at the end of seven years, yes, my beloved Rachel is going to be mine. And then, so it came about in the morning that behold, it was. You see, they covered their face. Oh, you go to the honeymoon, the night, and everything. And in the morning, it's Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you? Isn't it that Jacob is the master of deception and cheating and scheming and conniving? Now he's getting the proverbial taste of his own medicine. Why have you deceived me? Well, there's fine print. You know, it's not uh, practice in our place to marry of the younger before the firstborn. Complete the, complete the week with this one and we'll give you the other also for the service which you have served for me another seven years. It's not custom to us. The eldest must go first. If you want the younger also, serve me another seven years. No problem. So how many wives does Jacob now have? Two. How many years has he been laboring for his wives? Okay, now I have a family. I am already blessed with children. You know, my work is expanding. So, I think I'll go back. I think I'll go back to my brother. What does Laban say? But Laban said to him, If it pleases you to stay with me, I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He continued, Name me your wages, and I will give it. Have you... Sir, I have another job offer. So they're going to give me paid vacation, 30 days, a brand new car, this and that. And then your boss will try to let you stay. Name your price. Would you not stay? Remember, Laban, just like Jacob, is a deceiver. He's experienced it already. Oh, I don't give the younger first. Work for me another 
seven years. So he's worked seven years for the first wife, which he did not really bargain for. He worked another seven years. And his uncle Laban said, name your price. But what really happened, ten times, Laban kept on changing his rate. But God was with Jacob, even if Jacob did not realize it. And he was growing in his family and in his own property that he decided, he said, now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son. He was going to go back. Jacob's Laban's son reported, Jacob has taken away all that is our father's and from what belonged to our father. He has made his wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban and behold, it was not friendly towards him as formerly. Jacob was being coming prosperous and the children of Laban were accusing Jacob of enriching himself at the expense of their father. And what do you notice about Laban's countenance? It's no longer as friendly as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob in Genesis 31, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. Here we go again. I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly. But the God of my father has been with me. Is God the God of Jacob? Not yet. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. So if, is Jacob realizing who has been at work all this time? Little by little, after several years, he's beginning to realize who is really behind this. You see, when we are in negative or adverse situations, we ask God, God, Remove me from this situation. Change this situation. But Warren Wiersbe writes, Before God changes circumstances, He wants us to change our hearts. If our circumstances change for the better, but we remain the same, then we will become worse. God's purpose in providence is not to make us comfortable, but to make us conformable. He is the potter. We are the clay. When it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey and overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. Who spoke to Laban? What is God doing? Telling Laban, don't do anything to Jacob. Don't even talk to him negatively or badly. 
It is in my power to do you harm, Laban says to Jacob. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. You see, God's presence is a gift. It is by grace. God's presence may not be recognized. But God's presence is ultimately our security. Just because you practice the presence of God doesn't mean that you will not encounter problems. Have you been walking faithfully with God? Yes or no? Have you been walking faithfully with God? Okay, I don't know what to do to convince you. But, have you also encountered problems along the way? Does that mean that God is no longer with you? No. Just having the presence of God does not necessarily mean that we will not have problems. It takes a while for us to recognize the presence of God. And even for Jacob, you know, he, it took a while for him to realize that ultimately it was God's presence that was keeping him secure. This morning, I've asked my wife to share with you her personal encounter with the Lord this recent week. Morning. Good to be back. Okay, bear with me, please. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. I've been feeling under the weather since Thursday when I started having itchy throat and cough. By Friday, I was already feeling short of breath that during dialysis that morning, I asked my nurse to give me oxygen. All went well until I got home and just tried to rest the whole afternoon. I decided to stay home that night when Insong went went to Lakewood Bible study. Around 8 p.m., I felt the urge to go to the toilet, and I was done. I got surprised of my life when I saw a fresh blood in the toilet bowl. I told my sister right away about it, and she called her brother-in-law, who was a doctor, and I was advised to go to the ER. We tried calling also my primary doctor, and when he returned our call, I told him about the situation. He told me to go straight to the ER in PIH, which is just near our house. Timmy, our son, brought me to the hospital, and Insong met us there straight from the Bible study. By this time, I was already having shortness of breath, and I was struggling to even walk from the car to the ER. On top of this, I was also having acid reflux and an infection in one of my tooth. When I was checked by the ER doctor, it was already 10 p.m., and they did some blood tests, put me in an oxygen, and just waited for the result. We waited until 4 a.m. when they finally brought me up to my room for further checkups. They did more blood tests, CT scan of my lungs, because they suspect I might have a clot. Did echocardiogram and other tests. During this time, I was just meditating on God's word and his promises that never will he leave me, never will he forsake me. 
Praise God, I was cleared of any clot in my lungs, and they treated my pneumonia with antibiotics. The cardiologist found something in my echocardiogram that says, I have a leaking valve in my heart. Found some <clears throat> valve in my heart and explained to me that I needed an open heart surgery to repair this leaking valve. By this time, I was already asking the Lord to exercise his power and miracle again for everything is possible with him. Isaiah 43 verse 1 to 3 says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We ask for your prayers and even all the way from Sisi of Manila sent us messages that they are praying for me. The cardiologist again ordered another test, which is called TEE, a, spirit, uh, a special ultrasound test for examining the heart in greater, greater detail. I had the test also to check on the cause why I have blood in my stool. It turned out it was just from hemorrhoids and nothing serious. I praise God that in his wisdom he impressed in my heart to tell my sister about the bleeding because that was my concern, but God had other plans. I didn't know that I have to deal with more serious problem, which is pneumonia. I was already short of breath by the time I went to the hospital. The day I was to be discharged, my cardiologist talked to me about the result of the TEE test. He said the first echocardiogram they did showed that I had a leaking valve, but with the second test, it showed mitral valve prolapse and don't need any surgery. Praise God. He is a prayer answering God and he hears the cry of his people. I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for lifting me up in prayer. Those who visited me at the hospital and sent text messages, how blessed it is to know that we belong to God's family, and we are in this together. Again, God exercises power and miracle in my life, and to him I give back the glory, honor, and praise that belongs to him. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Even if you're walking with the Lord, it does not assure us that we will not encounter problems. God is busily and actively changing our character. Changing us from glory to glory to glory. You see, first it started she cannot sleep. Well, it's because of acid reflux. So you adjust your sleeping position. And then it's like this. And then it's like that. And then before we know it, I get a call. Dad, I'm bringing mom to the hospital. There's stool in, There's blood in her stool. Okay. So we're thinking it's more serious. But then, I didn't realize. They wanted to do a CAT scan of her lungs because there might be a clot. That's why she's short of breath. Then, the cardiogram, which is done in the room, I could actually see that some of the blood was flowing back, which should not be the case. 
And the cardiologist saying, there is a tear. We have to either replace it or repair it. I said, doctor, what does that mean? We have to open her up. That's open heart surgery. But before we can do that, we have to fight off the infection of her bronchitis and pneumonia. And then after that, you have to go to your dentist and have that tooth removed. Because we cannot have open heart surgery if you have infection. And then we have to have open heart surgery. We have to repair that issue with the heart before she even gets to be a viable transplant recipient. She's on the kidney transplant list. But even if you're sick with just a cold, they will give the kidney to somebody else. So Lord, you know what is the timetable of all of this? But we prayed. And the next morning, I arrived, they just, they were do. you have to put the tube right near your lungs to take a better look at the heart. The same, three of them were discussing, look, there's the tear, it's going back, it's even more, blah, 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 blah. I come back the next day, during my lunch break, and she says, Song, you just missed the doctor. He said, I don't need Open heart surgery. It's just a prolapse. I told her, I think God didn't want me there. So that God would tell you, I did this for you. You know the bonus? She was not in a private room. We shared. We were about to be discharged, but the other patient coded. Those of you in the medical, you know what coded means. Like code. Mayana, galing kung mag-explain. So she was being revived. So all the doctors were there and, and Lynette was right there looking at everything. Oh, the other, they, they closed the curtain. Because it's just curtain. The patient recovered. So we were just waiting for the of course, it was her checkout was her discharge was delayed because of the thing that happened right beside. But then, as I go about, the lady, the visitor, that the niece, pastor, mama wants to receive Christ. Can you share with her? I mean, my mind is on my wife. I'm praying to God. God, will you do something? And that gives me the bonus. So I lead the, the lady. She's 80. I lead her to the Lord. How can you beat that? How can you beat that? Thus I was by the heat consumed. Again and again, he's recounting all the bad things that Laban had been doing to him. But, here he is again. If, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, had not been with me, surely now, you would have sent me away empty-handed. Notice the transition. God, has seen my affliction in the toil of my hands. 
from the God of Abraham, from the God of Isaac. He's now talking about God on a personal level. God has seen my affliction, the toil of my hands. You see, even if God's presence is ultimately our security, the most important is God's presence is transforming. God, Laban is beginning to realize that God was busy all this time. So much so that in chapter 32, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over to Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. How do we know that God's presence transformed Jacob? He wrestled with God. And he did, he did not want to be released until God blessed him. And when God blessed him because he had prevailed, God changed his name. You will no longer be called Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel as a memorial stone to you. You cannot run away anymore from your, the problems that you yourself created. You have a limp. How can you run if you have a limp? Did Pastor Danny show you this? The Chinese calligraphy for the word blessed? What does it mean? God with a person in the garden. A picture of Adam. What is being blessed? It is having the presence of God. Jacob did not want to settle for anything less. But the presence of God. I will not let you go until you bless me. The presence of God will transform your life if you just let God transform your life. And towards the end, so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you. And purify yourselves and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. You see, Jacob was among pagans. Laban was not a believer of God. Yet God intervened. And here you see, Jacob, his eyes are being opened. Now he's believing that God is with him. And he's telling them, put away those foreign gods. God has been with me wherever I have gone. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been, what? My shepherd. Now God is personal to him. He was no longer just the God of Abraham. He was no longer just the God of Isaac. He's now my shepherd. All my life to this day. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. God's presence is a gift. It is God's grace. God's presence. 
sometimes cannot be recognized. God's presence is ultimately our security. And God's presence is going to transform your life. God's presence is going to revolutionize your life. If God was distant to you before, He can be personal to you today. You see, it's just a matter of perspective. You can say, God is nowhere. Or, you can say, God is now here. It's up to you. It's up to you how you want to view things. Whether you are actively going to search for God's hand in your circumstance. That's up to you. You can say, God's not here. God is nowhere. He's nowhere to be found. Or you can say, God is now here. Even if I'm sick, even if this is happening to me now, God is now here. Many of us know this picture, right? It's a picture of Jesus knocking in a door. And it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Many words for having a meal. You can have a meal like you're late for school and just grab the milk and get on the bus. You can go through a fast food line and quick as eat as you can, quick to eat as you can because you got to go back to work. But the word that Jesus Christ uses here in this invitation is I will dine with you, I will sup with you. Let's talk about life over this meal. So we assume that this is a long meal. That you get to interact with the person with whom you are having this meal. And that is the invitation for intimacy. And this is an invitation that Jesus Christ is extending and is offering to anyone and to everyone. Are you willing you see the picture? There's no doorknob. There's no handle on the outside. The handle is on the inside. And only you can make the move. You can stand, come to the door, put your hand on the knob, turn it, Open it and ask Jesus. Jesus, will you be my God? Will you be my Savior? Will you be my friend? Do you believe that if you ask God, He will come in? God is nowhere or God is now here. It is your choice. God desires an intimate and personal relationship with you. Do you desire it as well? Let's pray. This morning you might be here 
And Jesus and God is still a distant concept to you. Perhaps this morning is the time that you really come to intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are one of those people who desire to do that this morning, then even in your own words, say this prayer, Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I acknowledge that only you died in the cross as full payment for all of my sins. And this morning, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. I thank you that now that I have you in my life, I am assured of your presence. That you will be with me wherever I go, whatever I do. And when the time comes, I will spend the rest of eternity in your presence. In the holy dwelling that you have been preparing for me since eternity past. Lord Jesus, I ask you to transform me from the inside out. And make me the child of God that you want me to be. For some of us here who already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you're struggling. In looking for and in practicing the presence of God in your life. Perhaps you have an insurmountable problem. Brother or sister, believe that God is more concerned about your problem than you are. Believe that He is more willing and able to help you see through it. Look for His hand. Perhaps you don't see it. Because He's been carrying you. But you don't recognize it. Know that God desires to reveal Himself to you in the most intimate way. Father God, will you forgive us? When, you, when we take your presence for granted. When we choose to blind our eyes from your presence in our situations, Lord God. And begin to depend upon ourselves and to do things our way. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge your presence in everything and anything that we do. For your word says, Lord God, that whatever we do, whether in food or drink, that we should do all for the glory of God. And it is only, Lord, when we actively search for your presence in our midst and in our life, will we be able to bring glory and honor to your name. Thank you, Lord God, for being with us this morning. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Praise God.